part of that is because we have been trained, we have been told this lie that purpose does not equate with wealth. That purpose is about going off and doing a godly mission or something that has to do with being in a nonprofit or, you know, society and society's good only. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Welcome back to The Ultimate Shift. Today, we have a special guest, Maury Fontanez. And Maury is a purpose coach and founder and the CEO of the 822 Group. So welcome, Maury. And can you tell us a little bit about your start and what, you know, uh, where did you grow up and, and what got you to where you are today? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, I will definitely give an overview of me, um, I am a, a child of two uh, Iranian immigrants, um, was born in the U.S., out in the West, in New Mexico, um, lived out in Colorado for a little while, which I loved and, and still stays with me. The idea of being in the mountains is really important to me, but relocated to Maryland um, and grew up for the rest of my time here, went to school out in Maryland and started my career in PR in D.C., I come from a PR, crisis management, reputation management background. I worked on the agency side for about 22 years um, on everything from entertainment and film to Fortune 500, consumer packaged good, technology, retail brands. And really my focus uh, on the agency side was on a few things. One, as I mentioned, change management and crisis and chaos management. Um, the second really was on connection, connection to your workforce and connection to your customer. So how do you build brand loyalty among customers? How do you build the kind of employer brand that's inspirational and, and attracts uh, the kinds of talent that you're looking for? And again, like I said, I had this great opportunity to work with some really incredible brands and executives and leaders uh, and learned a lot. And as I was doing this job that I loved, um, I started to recognize this calling within myself that there was something more, there was something missing in the day-to-day -day work of going in and just solving problems at, at what felt like to me kind of a, a shallow level. It felt like there was something deeper that was calling our attention collectively as leaders. And I really come to the conclusion that uh, the answer to that is purpose, that uh, purpose is what is missing when we see people and brands in chaos. When we see people and brands in crisis, it is a disconnect from purpose. And so I left that career to start 822 Group, which is what we call a transformation consultancy, because we see ourselves as kind of the guiding light to moving from that level of consciousness up a notch mm -hmm. to a frequency where everyone from the CEO to the workforce to the brand itself is actually able to articulate purpose in a more authentic, meaningful way and live and act and make decisions that are purposeful for the highest good of themselves and their customers and their stakeholders. I love it. Okay, so let's dive into the purpose thing for a bit because there's uh, a lot of people who don't know what their purpose is. They don't know where to start. So let's right. say somebody comes to you and says, hey, Maury, you know, I love this idea of purpose, but you know, I'm stuck in my 
paycheck to paycheck job and I'm, I'm just kind of stuck here. I've got to stay here because of the income that I'm relying on. And I don't know what my purpose is. What, what is the first step that you would suggest or recommend to that person? Yeah, I think there are two parts of that. I think the first part is getting very curious about yourself so that you can go on an investigation to understand purpose. And I'll talk us through how I coach people in doing that. But the second part is to really examine your limiting belief systems. This idea that we have that I can't really afford to think about purpose because I have to make a paycheck is right there the number one obstacle to living and leading with purpose. And part of that is because we have been trained, we have been told this lie that purpose does not equate with wealth. That purpose is about going off and doing a godly mission or something that has to do with being in a nonprofit or, you know, society and society's good only. Purpose and it's necessarily pay you. Correct. Correct. And purpose in its highest form is really just you practicing what you are innately good at, what brings you joy, and that what ultimately then is in your highest good and the highest good of others. Those are the three parts of purpose. So that could literally be anything. I tell people this all the time. My 10-year-old son is obsessed with LeBron James. We've been to so many of his games. We've even had the chance to sit courtside and watch this man. That is purpose in action, right? That is a person that is living their purpose and, in fact, has extended it to the highest good of others and all of the amazing ways that he's now using his purpose and his platform to uplift his community and uplift others around him. So when we think purpose, one of the first things is to dismantle any unhelpful belief system we have, that purpose is unrealistic, that purpose will not allow us to survive, that purpose will not allow us to thrive. But to the first part of your question, how do you figure out what your purpose is? I walk a lot of my clients through an exercise where I have them actually list what are five things that I remember from the moment that I can have my first memory on, I have been told I am good at, that I knew I was naturally good at. Those are your innate, natural born skills. I have a CEO I work with who talks about wanting to be in student government from elementary school because he was just naturally a leader to the point where he got made fun of for being bossy constantly. Right. So when we have this investigation, it's about not putting judgment around it, but really figuring out what are those natural born skills and then list for me five things in your current job that you do that fulfill you. They could be tiny. It could be that one call I have with that one teammate who just is so innovative that we get to brainstorm. Right. So, so just to recap, you're asking them to, to write five things down that they're that whether they know it or someone's told them that they're good at, and then also five things in their current profession that they somewhat enjoy or, you know, can love. Doing. Yep. Yep. And naturally good at on that first one, right? You don't, the key is you don't have to try so hard. You don't have to push yourself so hard. It comes really naturally to you. Maybe it is a craft that you have developed over time, but it didn't, it wasn't hard. It didn't feel difficult, right? And then yes, in your day-to-day, what fulfills you? What feels joyful? And the reason that that's important is because there's so many clues hidden within that, right? In the example I just made up, which is talking to a coworker who's innovative and getting a brainstorm, there's something about creativity in there that's fulfilling, right? And so it's really about going on this investigation to understand yourself 
and understand your purpose through the lens of what's natural to you. And then the last piece of it is, I ask people to write the end of this sentence. If I were able to do whatever I wanted in my career and change the world, the world would look like dot, dot, dot. What wow. would it look like? Okay. And that is the shortcut to your purpose statement. So whatever the answer is to that question, can you repeat the question, please? If I could do whatever I wanted, in for work or even in my life and impact the world the world would look like dot 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 what would the world look like after you have done yes exactly okay that's i love it so is there a difference and if there is what is the difference between a purpose and a passion or are those just two that they're two things with two different words or no i actually think that they're interlocking pieces of a puzzle I think that um, your passion actually defines part of your purpose. It goes back to this concept of joy, right? What are the things that bring you joy? And so if we're defining purpose at this, as this intersection of the things you're naturally good at and the things that bring you joy, passion is one of those clues. What are your passions? Those are the things that are going to bring you joy as you do them. Do you think that if someone is living their passion, working their purpose, then that's ultimately going to fulfill them in every other aspect of their life. Is that, or those are two things that you would recommend someone be striving for? I think that if you use purpose and expand it to covering all elements of your life, you are on track to feeling very fulfilled. I think if you apply purpose in one place and not another, that imbalance is going to feel imbalanced right? So if you can think about purpose in your career, then do the same in your relationships and do the same in your community and do the same in your family life. You know, part of my purpose is problem solving. It's just naturally been a part of who I am, which is why crisis was easy for me, right? Running into a burning building when people were like, I don't know what to do. For me, it was, I know the answer. That's something that I can facilitate in all parts of my life. And that is really important that I understand that it's not just reserved for one part, but that I have to be able to experience it across all parts of my life. I want to touch on this subject somewhat in business too, but I want to go back to, if you had to, with everything you now know, if you had to go back to your 18 year old self, you know, coming out of high school, entering college, whatever, in that time frame, what would be the advice that you would tell yourself with everything you now know? The biggest thing for me when I think about my 18-year-old self is to tell her your rebellion is actually your desire to thrive. Your rebellion, your going against the grain, your black sheepness is not bad. It's just that people don't understand how expansive you are. I love that. Thank I you. I would play with the black sheep so I can relate to that. Yeah, I was always the black sheep in my family. And it was always like, why do you like think that way why do you want so much why does it have to be why can't you just be more simple why, you know and it was like that's just not who i am do you think there's anything that parents can do in that situation to what, what is the best thing a mm. parent can do when they have that child that that maybe seems to just butt against everything they want what advice <laughs> would you give the parent well i got that child and i've really had to learn that you know i i have two kids and and two stepsons actually so four my daughter is in so many ways the opposite to me. In so many ways, the very kind of logical, black and white, we don't need all of this stuff. It can just be really simple. 
Uh, and I've actually had to learn with her to just stop and listen to her and learn how to turn off the internal dialogue in my own head. That is what I think as parents is the most is the most impactful gift we can give our kids is to just witness them as human beings and give value to whatever that looks like, even when it goes completely up against our own sense of our own selves. I think as parents, we just naturally in human nature, there's ego involved. And so we see them as an extension of us. And then it's easy to feel disappointed because they're not reflecting those things that we want to see reflected. And the truth is, no, they're, we're actually, our job is to create individuals who are individualized from us. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that and give them the confidence to go off and be who they really are is to witness them without any judgment about what you're seeing. I love it. Okay. So you come from a family of immigrants and this is, I don't want to get too political in, in this sense, but what you from doing a little bit of research on you, you're very much about transparency, about being open, the honesty, and, and just being you know the best you can be in business and helping people thrive and grow into their purpose. With everything, the light of everything that's happening in the world today, what do you think is, is lacking in, in the communication aspect of social media or understanding the other perspectives? Or maybe it's giving up a little bit of ourselves to try to understand someone else. What do you think is a little fix that maybe if we instilled in ourselves to try to understand would, would help with that? I think we take each other too personally. One of the things that I teach in my coaching is it's never about you, ever, ever, ever. And so if we can learn that as we're experiencing someone else, whatever they're saying or doing, even when it's acutely pointed at us, right? They're making it sound like it's about us. There is some internal storyline, some internal trauma, some unhelpful belief system they hold that is uh, causing them to come from that place. Mm -hmm. And so when we learn to take each other less personally, we actually are able to kind of release the burden of having to prove anything to anyone, right? Because the other truth about human nature is that we are addicted to validation. And we need to feel like we are seen and heard, which is natural, but also we take it to this level of constantly, especially now with social media, needing that validation that yes, you're right. Yes, I agree with you. And therefore you are valued. But if we can understand that the people we're trying to get this validation from do not have the tools to validate us because they're own, in their own internal hurricane, then it releases the pressure of that validation. Wow. I love that. I love that analogy of that breaking through your own past trauma to under to realize that not everything that's said to you is about you, but the bigger picture, essentially. If you're in that situation and you want to try to get out of it, for me, it's a simple fix. It's turning off social media, whatever it is. Mm. But what's your what's your take on that? If, if you start feeling that, that anxiety <laughs> come up, yeah. what is what is something that you do to then maybe reboot or step away from the situation? What's your advice? Yeah. I'll tell you the shortcut and I'll tell you the kind of the bigger thing I do. The shortcut is I really will stop myself in the moment. And I will literally ask myself, what story are you telling yourself about yourself right now? And how is that? How can you prove that it's true? The way to, to decipher between fear and reality is I, I tell people when I do facilitations, I need unequivocal proof from you that this thing you're telling me is true. 
And more often than not, it's not. So I do a quick exercise with myself where I stop and I really ask myself, how do you know whatever you're telling yourself about this interaction is true? The larger answer is I have developed a ritual for myself where I will wake up early or, and I'm not a morning person. So I had to really try and figure out how to do this for myself, but, and I will meditate and I will spend at least five, maximum seven minutes. It usually is with music, but I have envisioned this higher version of myself. I call her my higher self and I sit with her. And sometimes in my thoughts, I will ask her questions and sometimes I will receive answers through my thoughts, right? I think sometimes when we talk about ask the question, you get an answer, we think, okay, are you talking about some like, you know, profit moment? No, it's just as simple as a thought that shows up in your mind. And so I've set that side aside that time to spend with this higher version of me because she centers me because that's my truth. And so I'm able to then go into the day in a more kind of powerful centered place because I've spent that time to connect to the one validator that matters. I love it. That's, that's really powerful. So your, your higher self is basically, is that just the person that you aspire to be like? So that keeps changing? No, it's actually, I think, the innate nature of who I am when I'm unencumbered by fear and unencumbered by what others might think. I think it is an, an essence of, of me, but she is a warrior because she's not worried. Love it. Okay, let's dive into business a little bit because we have a lot of sure. entrepreneurs that listen to this. What's the number one thing you see businesses doing wrong in 2021 or 2020 in this century? Well, I think 2021 is going to be interesting because trying to race back to any level of pre-pandemic normalcy is going to be a big mistake. Um, and we as a business of consultants are preparing ourselves for that one and starting to see a little bit of that. How do we plan to get back? And it's like, there is no get back. Let's go forward. So I think that the biggest piece of advice I'd give entrepreneurs who, you know, have had businesses from prior to the pandemic and suffered through whatever you suffered through during the pandemic, because undoubtedly we all did, um, is what is the new normal and, and really taking a moment to understand what have we learned and how are we going to shift ourselves and reimagine what our business looks like or how we operate or where we actually need to be in order to operate. Um, so I can see that being a big one. The other big one is, you know, as I talk about purpose, I think that brands have caught on to the statistics and the studies of, you know, customers 70 plus saying they only want to buy from purposeful brands and, you know, MIT graduates saying they only want to work at purposeful em employers. So brands understand the need for purpose. The mistake I'm seeing is that they are embodying it through marketing and PR. And purpose is actually a practice of internal alignment with each other and with yourself. So I want to see more and more CEOs talk about their personal purpose and the work that they do to stay aligned to that. I want to see leadership teams talking about purpose. I want to see cultures that are built around inspiring every single employee to think, what's my purpose and how does it line up with the purpose of this company? And therefore, am I really clear about why I'm here and what my role is? So the two purposes could be separate. Your own personal, as a CEO, your own personal purpose and the purpose of your company, but you're saying, how do they fit in with each other? What's making the other one propel one? Yeah. One propel the other, essentially. More often than not, 
I am seeing that the purpose of the CEO and the purpose of the company are actually very aligned, but that there hasn't been enough work to articulate that to themselves, right? To understand the areas of alignment. Or, or possibly to the team as well. Right, so absolutely. What the purpose of the company is. Absolutely, yes. So if someone is starting a brand new company in 2021, you know, obviously they're coming into the new COVID norms, if you will. What is what is the number one thing you think that branding should implement or that that the branding should scream from a new company, whether it's in the you know construction industry or whether uh, it's a tech company, it could be the same thing. But what what's what's your take on branding and, and what's the best way to brand a new company to get the attention and to help people understand the purpose of the brand? I am obsessed with branding as someone who got to work with some brilliant creative directors in my life. I never was on the creative team, but I got to work with these really fascinating creative teams that built brands for a lot of these companies. And I will tell you that when there is clarity around the problem you're solving for your customer, and you are able to align that with your mission, with your purpose, then everything in your brand needs to show that intersection. It's basically like if we're in a relationship and I have a certain purpose and you have a certain purpose, that kind of intersection of that Venn diagram is our sweet spot, right? Like that place of where my purpose meets yours as a brand and as a customer, that's what people care about. So if you can get to that, right? And then be very, very regimented with yourselves in terms of your brand, that everything come from that core that it come from this audience-centric and purpose-centric approach from your look and feel to the messages that you put out there to the campaigns that go out, that they really are in that, that kind of overlap part of the Venn diagram. So if you have a company and you're bringing in employees, how does the company, I guess the, the, the question within the question here is, how do you help build a loyal employee platform but how do you take the company and integrate it into all of your different employees? Let's say you have 10 different employees with 10 different purposes. How do you find those and intermingle it with the company to help them feel uh, like they're a part of the company? They're growing into something bigger than themselves as well. Yeah. The number one thing that I saw in all of my employee workforce engagement work was that a lack of trust is so detrimental to building that kind of morale and that kind of, of purposeful, to your point, alignment. When I talk about trust in the frame of purpose, if we want people to be purposeful, they've got to trust that you are. And so you have to speak about your purpose often and openly and with vulnerability. You have to talk about why you make decisions transparently, and you have to tie them back to your purpose. You have to talk about how your purpose aligns with the company you've started or that, you've, that you're leading. And you have to talk about the role that the brand is going to play in people's lives. And when you do that, you naturally inspire others to start to think about it, right? And then you get curious and you start to ask them to talk about it. Now, I don't think that you necessarily need to make sure everyone reports back to you on their purpose. It's more about them being purposeful individuals and being able to think about their own purpose. But really, when you do want to create the conversation, it's collective purpose. So what is our purpose as a team then? 
right? Maybe you're a leader of a business unit. Do we understand the larger purpose of this enterprise? Okay, great. What is our purpose then as a team collectively? And how do we make sure we can keep our eye on the prize? The only way you can keep your eye on that ball is if you articulate it, if you visualize it. And so as a team, you need to start talking about collective purpose. I think part of your question too was, what happens if people have differing purposes? Correct. That's okay. That's why you bring different people into your organization. I promise you, if there is work done to talk about purpose, you will always find a way to channel each individual's purpose into doing something productive for your company. It may mean you have to move them around, which is really important because I honestly, my hypothesis is that if we thought about purpose as part of the driver of where we put people, we would have higher job satisfaction. We wouldn't have people on autopilot the way we do now. Oh, wow. That's powerful. So if what, is, what keeps people from finding their purpose on a more personal note? Is it the inability to be transparent or vulnerable? Or I guess another part of that question also is what keeps people from being vulnerable? Why do people fear that? Whether it's you as a, as a CEO to your employees or you as a salesperson to your customer. Yeah, the biggest impediment to purpose are what I call the monsters under our bed. And those are the storylines we tell ourselves that we have established from a very, very long time ago based on interactions we had that hurt us in some way, big or small. And we created storylines in our heads about our own value, our own ability, you know, what we deserve, what is possible, what is realistic. And we tell those stories to ourselves over and over again. And by the way, we work harder to look for evidence that those stories are true than we do to break them apart. So every time we interact, let's say that you and I have this conversation and I look at you as I'm talking and you look confused. I can convince myself just in that one moment that I just am not articulating myself clearly and what I have to say doesn't hold any value. And that's why you were confused. You may feel a headache coming on. It literally has nothing to do with me, right? But because I told myself that story from my childhood for whatever reason, based on other people and their stories, right? It's this cyclical effect. Then I look for that evidence. So that's the biggest barricade I see to why people aren't embracing purpose constantly. Uh, it's because they tell themselves stories. And, and because these stories are so powerful, sometimes they listen to me and I get the eye roll. I can feel the eye roll. I can feel the, yeah, right. Okay. Well, that's nice. You go do purpose. I have a job to do. Oh, wow. Okay. So what's your, what's your response to that? If let's say you were, you were teaching someone and they literally said those words to you. What is, is that the point where you're like, okay, this isn't worth my time or do you, can you somehow maybe, I don't know, articulate it in a way that maybe they see it from a different perspective? Yeah. It's about getting it for me as a, coach, it's about getting really curious about that feeling, right? So if I'm talking to you about purpose and you, something is rising up and within you, that's making you want to reject it so strongly. What is that? What's happening right now? Okay. Why? Okay. Why? And I ask why five times, because I'm trying to get us to go back, back, back. What is the origination point of this resistance? Right. It is always something external that you made about you. And so if we can get there and unravel it, suddenly the person's like, oh. And I've seen, for me right now, the, the light bulb moments are the things that keep me going. It's, I love, I tell people, I gave a talk last night to a 
MBA program. And I said, I always save the last 10 minutes for you to call BS on everything I've said, because I want you to have the license to do that. And then I want us to have a dialogue about it. And Mm -hmm. somebody did it. And we did this exact exercise that I just described in front of 50 MBA students. And she, the light bulb went on. And so it just takes really investigating why such resistance. I'm not saying anything that's going to harm you. So why are you, what's the resistance coming from? How important is it for a business, more specifically a business, maybe this is applicable to your personal life, to be able to pivot, adapt, adjust, and not be so stuck on maybe the policies even that you put in place in the, in the first part, because obviously things change, businesses change, people change, mm. uh, the environment around those changes. So how do you advise people to be open to adapting and adjusting and pivoting from maybe what they originally thought was the right thing to do? Yeah, it's interesting. I actually see that pendulum swing in two directions. I have a client right now where, you know, chaos was the strategy. It was like there were no procedures in place. It was just we react to everything constantly, right? (laughs) So I want to make sure that we are embracing the idea of balance, that there has to be a framework. Someone once said to me, which I thought was so brilliant, an actress, a stage actress, she said that for creativity to happen, there has to be structure. Mm. Right. So there needs to be some kind of framework, some kind of process. So that's that part of the pendulum to answer your question. I think that you have to be adaptable because things are changing very quickly right now. And I think the the best way to embrace being adaptable is to embrace what I was talking about earlier, which is audience centricity, really getting into empathy mode. Who are we here to serve? What do they need? And what is the best way to stay connected to them? How do we listen? I think brands right now are learning how to listen and how to respond and have been since the advent of social media, but where we can necessarily turn a corner that could be not truly empathetic is that we're trying to hear only the things that are going to serve us, right? How do you just put everything aside, your goals for the year aside for the moment that you're listening to the customer and truly just listen? What is it that they're saying they need from us? Okay, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's look at this structure. What are the tweaks? And what is the process you can put in place that that is happening quarterly? Then it should be exciting. It shouldn't be terrifying. It should feel like you're getting to build and rebuild and evolve over and over again. And then adjust your your yearly goals in this sense to that. Exactly. You should be looking at your yearly goals quarterly, at least. Okay. Well, I know we're coming up on time here. Two more questions. If you had the world stage for five minutes or less, and you were given the opportunity to say something that you feel the world needs to hear, the world, not just the states or one particular country, uh, what, what's something you feel like the world needs to hear today? There is more than enough for all of us. The idea of scarcity is something that was used so only a few people could be in power and keep that power. And it's time for us to understand that if we shift that mindset, even as leaders, we can create more than enough for ourselves and for others. Um, And that we are embracing at an individual level, this idea of our consciousness raising, of having an awakening to something greater, and that business needs to also elevate its consciousness. And that that is truly how we will meet people where they are. I love that. Absolutely love that. 
Thank okay. you. Okay, if you could ask any one person alive or dead one question, <laughs> who would the person be and what would the question be? I am a history just lover. And right now I've really been focusing on Elizabethan times. And I've really been curious about what it felt like to be Queen Elizabeth in a time when women did not lead. And my question for her would be, how did you get up every day and hold your ground? Or did you hold your ground? Are there ways that you had to give things up that we don't understand? I really like that, actually. I think that would be a very, uh, very interesting answer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how can people uh, follow you? Um, we could put your website and everything in the show notes. But, you know, what are your social media platforms? Where do you hang out the most? Where can someone find you and maybe ask questions or work with you or whatever? It is? Yeah. Um, well, you can find us at 822 Group on our website, which is just the numbers 822group.com. I'm on Instagram at Maury Fontanez. I'm constantly posting videos where I'm talking about these kinds of topics. And I'm actually going to launch an Instagram live series where I'll be talking to people who are living or leading with purpose. So we'll keep the conversation going. But yeah, those are the two best places to look for me. Okay. If you're looking, if you had to describe a specific client that you look for to work with, who, who is that client and what are the needs that they're facing? You know, I think that it depends on the size. We generally, you know, we go all the way from startup to fortune 500. And for me, the biggest thing that's important is that there is a willingness to try something different and to be courageous and self-aware and to do the hard work of exploration so that we can understand whatever chaos is present and fix it. So you, you work with businesses only, or do you work with uh, clients as a one-on-one, -on -one, even on a personal side? Yes. I, so I do executive purpose coaching. So that would be think about an executive coach and a purpose coach combined. Uh, and that candidate would be someone also willing to be courageous and self-aware and do the work, but, you know, just at a place in your life where you either are questioning where you are in your career or you're having challenges with leadership or you want to try something else or you're curious about whether you're really living your purpose or not. Very well. Well, Maury, I have really enjoyed this. Um, I just want to acknowledge you. It, it, uh, I really respect your stances on, on transparency and openness and helping people find their purpose. And I think you've described it very clearly as someone who can listen to this that can take something from this and really learn from it. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. I really appreciated the questions. They were really, really good questions and I enjoyed the discussion. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy and we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.